Welcome to Happily Ever After is just the beginning. Keeping your relationship not just together, but happy, and we mean truly happy, is part art and part science. You've come to the right place. Here's your host, Leslie Dorries. You know, I always love it when scientific research supports what I have known for years intuitively. And I have known for a really long time that the key to a successful relationship is to put the relationship first. Now, this is a simple concept, but it's not easy to attain. And by the way, some research has just come out to support that very thing, that the most successful relationships are the ones where the relationship is made a priority. But for far too many couples fall into this all or none, either or, maintain your independence or become completely dependent view of marriage. And what I know is that you must maintain who you are, but you also have to be willing to create a world that takes into account who your partner is as well. It's the absolute definition of the whole being greater than the sum of its parts. And again, while it's a simple concept, it can be extremely hard to pull off. It can be extremely difficult for anyone who is a people pleaser, who sees taking care of themselves as being selfish, and or sees being the source of someone else's temporary disappointment as a personal failing. Now, for 50% of the population, one of those three things usually comes into play. But when you don't put yourself into the equation that is your life, peace and happiness will forever be elusive. It sows the seeds for what a friend of mine terms the FU40s. So to talk about why this happens and happens mostly to women, I'm joined by lifestyle coach Sherry Van Antwerp. Sherry, thanks so much for being on the show to talk about this really challenging issue. Oh, thank you, Leslie. I'm, I'm really happy to be with you here today because it is a hugely important topic. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and being being one of those women of a certain age, I can yeah. certainly I can certainly relate to this. Um, and you know, because I, I know you work mainly with women in this age group. So, what are some of the ways that you see relationship issues showing up with your clients? Yeah, you're right. I do work, you know, primarily with women in their 40s and 50s, and I'm one of those women uh, of that age, as, as you said, too. And, you know, it's really interesting. The, the majority of my work um, really focuses kind of around, uh, you know, women that have been, you know, very high achievers in some area of their life, but they're really struggling um, with kind of their, their physical self and also mm-hmm. with their mental self. Uh, so it's kind of like looking at how, how those things all intertwine together and relationship is, you know, without question, always a piece of that puzzle. Right. So what, I mean, yeah, because it's really interesting and, 
you know, there are multitudinous things that are happening to women when they hit this age range. One, our bodies are starting to really change menopause and people who are not ready for that. And by the way, you there's no preparation for that. I don't care how much you read. <laughs> it's kind of like it's, having a baby. The opposite. You're not prepared. No matter right. What. Yeah. You kind of, you kind of get all the facts, but then it's like, okay, my body has just been taken over by an alien. Um, you know, so there's that, which has an impact on the relationships and by the way as you were talking about it it isn't just the physical body although I could get in trouble because I never talk about this because it also impacts the brain which oh by the way is part of our physical body but we don't talk about Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then it's also part of um, you know midlife crisis we just you know I, I tell my daughter you know that I'm not middle-aged that you know I don't plan to live to 114 so I'm on the downward slope you know and so we're recognizing that probably most of our life is you behind us and what we have next and our kids growing up and leaving and this kind of can create this multiple you know multifaceted change for us and then tack on whatever our relationships are and we're just kind of adding fuel to the fire right yeah it really it really creates what you could call the perfect storm right Mm -hmm. um and especially our generation you know i'm i'm 48 um so i was kind of that you know child of the 70s you know growing up in the 70s and uh you know i think that particular generation um we were told by our mothers that we could have it all because ah uh, yeah you know <laughs> they 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 didn't you know i know you know my mom Absolutely. talks about my yeah my mom is um 70 and so she talks about, you know, when she was graduating from high school, the three options were to be a nurse, um, a teacher, or a secretary. Or you mm-hmm. got married and had kids, right? Mm-hmm. So right. Um, those were the options that, that she had. So she, she did the get married and have kids, you know, option. So that was what she did. And I think that oh, no, they... Sure, I'm losing you there. Yes. Yeah, can you hear me? Yep, I can hear you fine. Sorry. Okay, yeah, um, yeah, I lost you just a little bit. So right after you said that she chose the option of marriage and then whatever you said after right. that, that's where yep. we need okay. to go back to. Okay. Um, so she chose the option of, you know, be the, the wife and, and mom and have kids option. And I think for a lot of them, you know, when they had daughters of their own, it was kind of, you know, implanted upon us that, you know, we have choices. Like, we had more choices than, you know, they had, and they wanted to see us kind of, quote, grab that brass ring. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't know if you remember the Anjoli commercials. Oh, was, yes. The woman, you know, I can bring home the bacon, fry it up in a pan, never, never let you forget you're a man. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was that idea of, like, you can have a career and you can have a family and you can still be, you know, rocking it out, you know, physically and everything, too. Um, and, and we were also the generation that had the bionic woman and Wonder Woman, you know. As that's whole that's model. true, too. I forgot about them. Yes, yes. absolutely. So, so we were really told that, that we could have it all. And so we went out there in search of having it all. And, you know, what really has resulted now is 
we are the most medicated generation ever because there is rampant depression, rampant anxiety, because mm-hmm. we feel like in, in what you mentioned too, we're, we're not taking care of ourselves because we've been taught that we have to be getting everything else done and how you yourself feel is of little importance. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's being out there and, you know, being the excellent worker, being, you know, the soccer mom that's bringing, you know, homemade cookies to every match and, you know, just, just saying yes all the mm-hmm. time to things. And what has really happened is we have this crisis now of, of self-care where we haven't been taking care of ourselves and we've gotten now to this, this age where we're looking around and going, is this all there is? is, is exactly. This as good as it gets? <laughs> um, and I think that's, that's why women in that age category, and like you said, it, it has created a perfect storm, um, especially with you know, women holding off on having children um, mm-hmm. until later in life. So now you've got women that are going through menopause in the same breath that they have teenagers going, you know, through <laughs> puberty. <laughs> through puberty. Oh, great. Yeah. yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so, you, so you've got mom that's going, you know, through menopause, daughter that's going through puberty, dad that's just like... Dad running I'm for here. the hills. I'm yeah. Step out of here, right? Like, well, for or, no one, you know. Or, but he's um, also actually going through some physiological changes, which people right, don't necessarily going, talk yeah, about. The, the, the male is, the version is, I think they refer to it as andropause. So, yeah, there right. is, you know, um, the male version that's happening, um, you know, more popularized in the media by buying a sports car and finding a younger <laughs> version of the wife, right? Right. Um, and women, women tend to be much, much different in their, in their revelation of menopause. But it really does, um, you know, coming back to the concept of, of relationship and, and how that's all, you know, kind of fitting together, it's at that age when women are looking around and going, is this all there is? Right. And realizing that, I am miserable. You know, I've done everything that I thought I was supposed to do. I've checked off all of the boxes on the, quote, ladder of success. And So, so why do I feel so bad? So, so why do I feel so bad? Right, exactly. Um, and it's so really beginning a lot of my work is, you know, working with them to kind of turn that around and say like you know a lot of people come to me especially on the on the fitness front and they say you know I'll be happy when I lose weight uh-huh. and really that's completely backwards <laughs> you know what well again we but, that's, but that's part of the um myth the the social myth that you know you have to be a certain you know when you're a certain size everything will be fine Right. You know, that that's so true. They think that their problems and, and that's what a lot of people that's their pain point. Right. Mm-hmm. Their pain point is just I'm twenty pounds heavier than I wanna be and if I could just be twenty pounds lighter, life would be bouncy and rainbows would be sparkling <laughs> and everything. And, you know, <sighs> that's actually kind of how I um you know, a little bit about my story, how I I got you know, into what I'm doing now. I was at a place in life. I was in my 
um, mid to late 30s, so it was about, you know, 10, 12 years ago. And I was going through, um, you know, some drama in my, my personal life. I had been divorced and was in my second marriage, and things were not going so great. And I kind of thought, you know, if I, if I could just, like, you know, get myself, you know, really into shape and everything, that, that will kind of That's the magic turn pill. everything around. That's mm-hmm. the magic pill and everything. So, again, we're being part of that high-performing, uh, you know, generation and everything, I couldn't just, like, settle for running a 5K. No, <laughs> I had to take it to the extent of, like, I'll do fitness competitions, right? And like, <laughs> yeah. like go above and beyond. And so basically, you know, what happened is I, I went through that whole process. Um, and two months after it, I was in the middle of my second divorce. Right. And what I really did learn from that was that backwards thinking of if I achieve X, you know, physically, that will be the answer to my problems when Mm -hmm. really the inverse is true. When you get happy, then you can lose the weight, right? It's always a symptom of something greater that's going on in our lives. Well, and that's, you know, and that's one of the things I wanted to talk about because one of the things that I've discovered working with my couples and a lot of the women is you know, the idea of including themselves in what I call their life equation, that it isn't that you stop caring for your partner or your children or your friends. It's just that you add yourself into the mix. And when I talk about this, you know, people look at me like I have three heads, like what? I'm supposed to tell my child no. And in a word, I say, yes, that's exactly what you're supposed to do. Or say, you know, no to your husband. I mean, I remember years ago, um, I, I had started, I wanted to, to get back into being in shape and feel good, and so I was going to the gym every day. And I tried to do it at a time when it would be least disruptive to the rest of my family. And one Saturday, I'm heading off to the gym, and my husband, my normally wonderful husband, says kind of in a snarky manner, going to the gym again. And it was like, um, yes, why is there a problem? Right, and, yeah. You know, and it turned out that he wanted to start exercising again. I said, great, honey. I'm all supportive for you um, doing this. We'll we'll sit down. We'll look at the schedule. We'll figure out how to do it. But I'm not going to feel bad because I'm taking care of myself. Exactly. And, you know, because and and so I I know that a lot of women struggle with what I call the B word, the boundary word, where mm-hmm. it's okay for them to not promise to bring the homemade cupcakes to the school party tomorrow because their kid didn't tell them until seven o'clock at night. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Like, oh, so sorry, not going to happen. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really that you know I think the term that people use is the disease to please, right? Mm-hmm. Like we we feel like we have to be pleasing all the time, um, and you know one of the ways I encourage my clients to look at it is, you know, say yes to the things that you really truly want to say yes to, and and that you're great at, right? That are mm-hmm. that come easy to you, that you're great at. And say no to the things that you're not into because guess what? 
you're actually robbing someone else of the opportunity to do that. That maybe that is their zone of mm-hmm. greatness. Oh, I love so, that. I love that that reframe on that. I think that's terrific. Yeah, in some ways, you know, by by saying yes to everything, you're actually denying someone else the opportunity to do it because you think, well, I got to do it. Well, no, there there are other people that can do it too, but if you say yes, you know, what gives you the right to take away their their (laughs) zone of of excellence, right? Um, So you're right. It's just reframing it into into looking at, I'm going to do the things that I'm really good at and, you know, maybe that is bringing cookies, but, you know, maybe it's not. But maybe, you know, the other mom, two houses down, like she lives to bake. Well, don't <laughs> deny her the opportunity then. So, yeah, it's just a simple shift like that um, that really helps us to move out of that feeling of, like, I'm not, I'm being a slacker or I'm not pulling my weight into, you know, I'm going to do my zone and let everybody else do their zone. Okay, so I want to hold. I want to hold that thought because I want to come back to it. But mm-hmm. this is happily ever after is just the beginning on WebTalkRadio.net. I'm Leslie Dorries, and I'm talking today with lifestyle coach Sherry Van Antwerp about the relationship changes that hit women of a certain age. And if you find yourself struggling with any of these, then I invite you to take a moment right now and send me an email or give me a call to take advantage of my complimentary Create Your Happily Ever After Breakthrough Session. You can reach me at Leslie, L-E-S-L-I, at foundationscoachingnc.com. That's F-O-U-N-D-A-T-I-O-N-S, coachingnc.com. Or you can call me at area code 919-924-0463. Again, that's 919-924-0463. And so I want to get back to this really important um, point that, Sherry, you were just making about doing what people are good at. And I, because I remember a long time ago, it was always like, well, you had to, you had to bring up your, your, your weaknesses. You had to focus and make them better. And I've learned a long time ago, it's like, yeah, I don't have time for that. I'm going to focus on what I'm actually good at. But Sometimes women don't know what they're good at. How can they find out? Yeah, that's that's a great question because we've become so detached in some ways, right? That that we don't even know. We just we just are in this autopilot mode almost of of taking on everything. Um, and well, and Facebook doesn't help because we're comparing ourselves with, you know, not just not just the people in our immediate neighborhood, but like the universe about, well, that person can do this, so I should be able to do this. Well, like, ah! right. And the problem with social media is you're you're comparing what you know is your reality to everybody else's highlight reel. Right. right, like you're only seeing the highlights. It's it's like watching, you know, Sports <laughs> Center's top ten plays. Like that's all. All you're seeing is everybody's top plays. You're not seeing, you know, life in the trenches mm-hmm. that's happening for everybody. It's the prettied up version of it, right? Um, but going back to what what you were saying about, you know, how how can we, you know, figure out what what we are, what we do like what do we enjoy um and i always tell people you know there there's a lot of truth to that trusting your gut mm-hmm. and i always say we have to get out of our heads you know <laughs> and, and into our gut and into our heart and so when you're looking at and, and a choice and this is true for anything really you know stop and really take the time to 
think about each of the options that you have. You know, does it create, you know, a feeling of, you know, any joy or happiness or, yeah, I want to do that? Or do you feel kind of like that tightening up in your stomach? You know, yeah, do you dread. feel like mm-hmm. the, the, the jaw twitching or whatever? Um, <laughs> because our, our bodies really, our bodies tell us, right, like mm-hmm. what what's going on and and our brains unfortunately too often really it's our our brain is getting hijacked by by the ego voice right so when we start to think about the options and we think too much it's just the ego that starts talking of like well if you don't do this then you're a total slacker and the other people will look at you and say well you're not doing your weight so i suppose you should do it and you get into that that self-talk loop um, versus listening really with your intuition. And so what what do you do, because I run into this on occasion, um, about when they say, when their self-talk is, or, or it's not even self-talk, it's actually a true statement that their partner or their child or their friend is disappointed that, you know, you're not going to you know, we host the entire family for Christmas dinner or, you know, plan the, you know, plan, plan the, you know, the parents' 50th wedding anniversary. I mean, what, what happens when there is real disappointment on other people's, on the part of other people in their life? Yeah. You know, it's a tricky one with spouses, um, I have a different viewpoint on it with with kids, actually, because I think, you know, especially as moms, we're doing a disservice to our children if we aren't teaching them, like, how to say yes and say no to things. Like, if they just always see mom taking on everything, like, how are we equipping them then to go out into the world and not repeat? you know, the same things that we've done. and I, Or really actually be able to take care we, of themselves once they yeah, get out like into the we, world. How mm-hmm. do we stop this cycle, you know, for the next generation? Um, you know, the the thing with the spouses is, is always, you know, more complicated because there's always more uh, more layers of that onion, so to speak, that have to, have to be pulled back. And, um, you know, it's it's challenging, especially when you're talking about, you know, intergenerational family dynamics, you know, and how <laughs> oh, yeah. things, things play out. And, you know, sometimes you do just have to take one for the team, you know, like, oh, even absolutely. If you, don't, you know, even if you don't want to do it, you have to take one for the team. But there is a fine line between doing that and putting yourself into a potentially, though, abusive also situation, because there's a lot of I think intergenerational family dynamics that do come, you know, with some abuse in the process too. And so there's that fine line and, and only the people that are in that can, can really tell, you know, whether, whether they feel like they're really being kind of abused by the situation or whether it's, you know, I just got to do this because this is what we have to do, you know, and if the spouse is not, you know, willing to step in, then that's a bigger conversation. Oh, well. yeah, that's a, that's a whole conversation. But I'm wondering yeah. if maybe part of the problem is that we think about dealing with our spouses differently than we're dealing with our children because 
you know, disappointment, I, I hear this all the time, and it's like, well, well somebody, somebody won't be happy if I say no. And it's like, well, okay, then I say, Who's, whose issue is that? Um, because, mm-hmm. y- y- you know, the fact is, is if somebody else is disappointed in a legitimate choice that you're making, and by the way, you don't have to defend your choices, people, you could be willing to explain them, but once you get into defense, that's a whole other subject. But, you know, it's a legitimate option. I, it's a legitimate choice for me to say no to this, and the fact that it bothers you, I can acknowledge it bothers you, but it's not, you know, what is that about? Why does it bother you? Why does it, why do, am I the one who has to make sure that you're okay when I'm telling you that yeah. doing this won't make me okay and you still want me to do it? And so I'm wondering if we're letting our spouses a little bit off the hook from having to, just we, like we want our kids to learn certain things, is it, isn't it important that our spouses kind of learn the same thing, that it's we have the right not to do something if it doesn't oh, work for us? Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. And, you know, it's, it's really, um, to me, it's, it's very eye-opening, the, the number of women I work with that have the real challenge of their spouse not supporting them mm-hmm. in in a journey to get get healthier and to get fit, um, and and they're not outwardly saying like obviously like oh I don't want you to do that, but it's all the subtle things like you right. said like oh you're going to the gym again or my favorite line I guess I'll babysit the kids. Um, oh, it's like you, you can't yeah you can't babysit your own kids. Sorry, <laughs> your own kids, sorry that that got lost a long time ago. Um, yeah, things like that though, and you know. It, it kind of goes back to, uh, I think, the adage the, too, that we've all heard, too. Like, if if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy, mm-hmm. right? So if if mom is at this place where, you know, she's wanting to do something for herself, I think it has to be that conversation with the spouse of, like, you know, look, this is, again, you don't have to defend it, but if you want to explain it, like, this mm-hmm. is why I need to do this now. And by doing this, it's going to make me better in XYZ components. And again, I always think too, like a lot of the household dynamics many times, especially again with the kids, are are set by the actions of the mom, you know, yep. a lot of times. Um, mm-hmm. Whether we like that responsibility or not, we tend to be like the gatekeepers a lot of times. So again, it's about what behavior do you want to model you know, for them to to look to and what's really behind why your spouse is having this resistance, you know, is it, and a lot of times what I found is what you said too, they want to be doing something too, but they just haven't, you know, got their butt in gear yet, really. (laughs) Right, yeah, it's almost like you're holding, it's like because you're wanting to do it, you're holding up a mirror to them, and it's kind of like, well, wait a minute. Yeah. And and it's easier to get you to stop. Well, But it's also easier to get you to stop than for me to kick my myself and get me moving it's like well if you would just stop that I'd be fine right and I think you know ultimately what it comes down to you know with a lot of of those situations too is there's a lot of fear of the unknown absolutely you know part of it is like well if she starts looking better like is she going to find another guy 
You know, like, is, is that going to happen? Like, would she leave? <laughs> well, what about how we eat? Is she going to change everything about how we eat and everything now? Like, am I not going to be able to eat pizza anymore? So <laughs> it's all of these, yeah. like, you know, unknowns that, that they have fear about. And, you know, it is. It's, it's a point of, like, rarely do two, you know, spouses come to that place together. If they do, it's amazing what can happen. But generally, mm-hmm. one is ahead of the other. And mm-hmm. the other will come along, you know, after right. that. You know, so it, it is, it's about, you know, how, so how you, what, again, can explain what's going on with you. Yeah. So what skills, are there skills or behaviors that can be learned that people, that women especially, but people in general can learn to, because my attitude, and I read a book a long, actually I never read the book, I read an excerpt of a book called Sex and the Seasoned Woman by Gail Sheehy, and gosh, it's probably been 15 years ago that I read about this, and it it was talking about this very same thing that women in their 40s, 50s, and 60s are basically going, you know, done with dealing with all these other people, it's my time, and they, you know, they basically blow apart their world in a way mm-hmm. that, you know, and my attitude was, no, no, you always should have been part of the equation and you never should have been because you were talking about, you know, women taking on these tasks and, it's, you know, and the question of whether or not that's a necessary thing, um, mm-hmm. you know, because a lot of what I get is, well, if I don't do it, it'll never get done. And it's like, well, one, that may not be a true statement. <laughs> Correct, two, yeah, right. And two, okay, so what's the problem with it not getting done? And then that's usually where a lot of people go, but it's got to get done. And it's like, well, no, it doesn't. But mm-hmm. but women end up then taking on this overwhelm and, and feeling so obligated to make sure that everybody is happy and, you know, every except at the cost to themselves. So are there skills or behaviors that you help people with to kind of stop this crazy self-talk? Yeah. You know, I think one of the, or a couple of the biggest items actually um, that I think are important to do, especially when you're starting to take that, you know, position of, you know, self-care and and not seeing it as being selfish to take oh, time yes. to care for yourself. Um, you know, is I, I tell people, uh, and I just had this conversation the other day with a client um, who was talking about like, oh, well, things have been so busy and so crazy. And, you know, I had this with the kid and this with the job and this with the husband. So, you know, I just really didn't do very good, you know, these last two weeks. Mm-hmm. And the reframe on that is like, well, would you like to tell me what two weeks in your life it's not going to be that way? <laughs> yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. right. Uh-huh. Like mm-hmm. this, this, and, and that's a tough love. Like that's hard for people to hear sometimes. But right. we have to stop getting in our own way, right? Like we as we as women are, we're, we're holding ourselves back. We are the biggest obstacle that we have because we won't we won't take that step. So what I suggest to my clients is like, you know, that life is, it's never going to not be complicated. Like it's 2017 and this is just the way it is, right? Life Mm -hmm. very quickly. It's very complicated. There's lots of things happening. So if you don't have a plan, that is a sure way to guarantee that you're not going to succeed. So when I say plan, like look at your week 
you know, make hard appointments with yourself of mm-hmm. this is my gym time. This is my uh, time that I'm going to go uh, drive to the lake and sit in my car and space out for half an hour. Right. Or this is the night I'm going to spend with my best girlfriend. Right. Exactly. And make them hard and fast appointments that are non-negotiable. Right? Because we we will let everything else become more important if we continue to let it. And the truth is, again, back to the adage, like, if mama's not happy, nobody's happy. So mm-hmm. we've got to be taking care of ourselves. And along the way, also, like you said, setting that example for our kids. You know, when, when I started doing my, my training um, and really got into fitness, I was commuting an hour each way to work. Um, I was, you know, divorced with two young, pretty young kids at that time. Uh, and, and so I had to figure out a way, you know, how it was going to work. And what I really do love, though, is, you know, now my kids are in college and out of college. And one of the first things that my son did when he got his job was, I need to go find a gym. Yeah. Like, that importance of taking care of yourself physically like they saw that modeled you know from from a very young age and so that's that's how it's important right because our kids are watching they're seeing so if we're going to live a healthy life that's not being selfish I mean that is taking care of us so that we can take care of them but it's also teaching them that this is an important thing that you need to do in your life well, and you were talking earlier about the higher levels of anxiety and depression, and one of the things that really counterbalances that is being physically healthy. And mm-hmm. I don't think, I mean, and, and there's now all these studies that are showing that if we will take care of ourselves, then we will be not just not just physically healthier, but actually happier people will sleep better if we eat the right things. Our, you know, we keep forgetting our bodies are these machines that, you know, how do we make them function optimally in this crazy, crazy world? And we would never, well, some people would, but most of us take our cars in to get tune-ups right. and oil changes because we don't want them breaking down in the middle of the road. Right. <laughs> but somehow with our bodies, it's like, well, we need to do the same thing. And it isn't, it's not about being selfish. And we can't just keep adding more, 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 more. We sometimes have to go, okay, wait a minute. It's really important for me to have a half an hour a day of where I'm working out or an hour a day where I'm, you know, meditating or just being calm and you know and I think that that goes back to I think what I was talking about a little bit before is the boundaries and being able to say no to something because um, there was a book written several years ago called 168 hours and that's all any of us get in a week of you know it's the great Mm -hmm. equalizer time and right what the lines in the book was we tell people what matters to us by how we spend our time so when we never spend time on ourselves we're saying I don't matter and then how can we get upset when everybody else goes okay you don't matter (laughs) well exactly we 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 train others you know we train others to treat us a certain way Mm -hmm. you know and and if that training is like oh I never have to have time for myself then they're not gonna readily just give that to you because you've taught them that you don't need it right you know so it's it's teaching Mm -hmm. them a a new way um, of doing it and 
you know, I love what you, you cited, too, about the studies in terms of, you know, how being healthy and fit and everything, uh, you know, impact us in terms of, you know, depression, anxiety, all of those. And I will say, you know, for this group in, you know, your 40-plus, your 40s and 50s, it's even more important because, you know, hormonally, you've got everything else going on and <laughs> exercise only helps in terms of, you know, keeping that leveled out and, you know, sleep is a big one for mm-hmm. women, especially as they're going through menopause mm-hmm. and your progesterone levels are, you know, all over the board. Um, and, and sleep sleep actually is probably the most underrated thing that you, you can do for your health. And, and people poo-poo that. Right. Um, but it is really true. Um, yeah, taking, not, taking pride in only getting four hours of sleep. It's like if I only get four oh, hours of sleep, nobody wants to be around me. <laughs> well, right. It, it's that whole, like, you know, busy is now a social merit badge. Mm-hmm. Right, like I'm so busy, you know. Well, right. Okay, like you've got to stop because, like you say, I mean, it's it's not something to be proud of. Um, now, if you're not getting sleep because you're what a lot of you know menopausal women are doing, you're waking up at two or three o'clock in the morning, and then begins the. Uh, the ego, I call her Zelda. The Zelda talk starts in your head of all, all, the, all the crap that you haven't done. and how Yeah, she came and visited me on and, Sunday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I had a visit um, from her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's, it's about, you know, changing that. But, yes, the exercise is super, um, you know, important in terms of helping us, you know, balance out those hormones as much as as we can so it's even more critical um, as we continue to age and and for lots of other reasons too you know with women um, it's important just in terms of the greatest risk actually to women's health as they age is complications from a fall Mm-hmm. You know, you, you think it's cancer or stroke or whatever, but it's like it's, it's complications from falling. Well, if you're overweight and you're not taking care of yourself physically at all and you've got, you know, joint pain, back pain, all of this other stuff, where do you think you're headed? And well, you're, exactly. headed there, you're headed there a lot younger than you probably think. You know, that's right. what's really, really frightening, um, too. You know, the diseases that, you know, my grandparents had are now happening instead of happening to people when they're in their 70s and 80s, they're happening in their 50s and 60s. So right. um, it's, it's really multi-pronged, yeah. So it's absolutely critical. So, Sherry, um, where can people find out more information about what you do, how you do it, um, you know, how to take care of themselves? Yeah, uh, I have my website, which is just SherryVanAntwerp.com, and I also have a Facebook community that is called Building Elite Women, Uh, so you can just search for that on Facebook, Building Elite Women. Um, It is a private group, so you just have to request to join, because I monitor to make sure it's all cool chicks that are in there. (laughs) So if you don't let me in, that means I'm not a cool chick. Okay. (laughs) Well, you got to get in there, Leslie. (laughs) Okay. Um, Yeah, so so that's a really great community, um, and I kind of tend to uh, do a lot of uh, the first kind of teachings that I'm doing uh, to that group. That's kind of uh, my go-to group there. Uh, So you can also uh, check me out there on Facebook um, or, again, my website. 
Well, terrific. So I just want you listeners to know that the key to success in love and marriage, like in anything else in your life, is to be comfortable and confident in yourself. And so when you fully embrace who you are and you're clear about what is okay and what's not, guilt and blame, those nasty things that women like to carry around with us, they can't find a refuge. So those in your circle are there because they and you want them to be. And so those are the people you want to attract. And only then will you be living your life. So just keep listening for more information on how you can have healthy, happy relationships and a healthy, happy life. And until next week, stay loving. 